The mention of a carbon bubble earlier in the show brings to mind one of the most celebrated and unlikely bubbles of history, the Dutch tulip mania of 1636-37. The flowers had become a wildly popular luxury and status symbol, and speculation in tulips ran the prices up so high that at one point it took the annual income of a wealthy merchant to buy a single prize bulb. And then the tulip bubble abruptly popped, leaving many in financial ruin. Holland is still famous for its spring flowers, and on March 21st, the Kuchenhof, the largest flower garden in the world with 7 million bulbs, opened with a tulip festival. As Ari Daniel Shapiro reports, some of the Dutch still can't get enough of tulips. Ben Zonneveld hauls out a pail of used razor blades, 40 pounds worth, and gives it a shake. Oh my gosh, look at all those blades. (laughs) Zonnefeld holds onto this bucket of blades as physical evidence of the progress he's made. Progress, that is, on telling tulips apart, both wild and cultivated. He's based at the herbarium at Leiden University in the Netherlands, probably the country best known for tulips. In the springtime, bright stripes of color streak the Dutch landscape as tulips bloom before they're cut and sold. But Zonnefeld isn't concerned with the colorful petals. He cares about tulip DNA. DNA. He's a geneticist. What I do is measuring the total amount of DNA in a nucleus. Different tulip species have different amounts of DNA, anywhere from three to seven times as much in each of their cells compared to human cells. The amount of DNA is not related to the complexity of the organism. Why do tulips have so much more DNA than we do? I don't know. Nobody knows. Regardless, Zonnefeld can use all that DNA inside the cell nucleus to distinguish one type of tulip from another. And that's where all those razor blades come in. Zonnefeld places a leaf in a petri dish and starts slicing it up. All organisms are built from cells, plants and animals. Each cell contains a nucleus, so I need the nucleus, so I have to cut up the cells. For me, it's very convenient that I'm not left or right-handed, but I can do it with both hands. When Zonnefeld stops, the leaf's been reduced to a droplet of green slurry. The next step would be to add a fluorescent dye. The more DNA there is, the more it glows. Zonnefeld used this technique to distinguish between 87 kinds of tulips, more than any previous classification attempt. Everything from the pink and white Tulipa clusiana to wild tulips growing in the Middle East and Central Asia. It took four or five years for all the samples to trickle in. And after he cataloged and published the 87 types, he discovered an 88th, a new tulip. He holds up a dried specimen, the flowers white and yellow. This is the picture of the new tulip. Okay. What's the name of it? Uh, Kolbensevi. Zanefeld named Tulipa Kolbensevi after Viktor Kolbensev, the nature guide in Kazakhstan who introduced him to the tulip. Zanefeld subjected its leaves to the razor blade treatment as well. But Zanefeld doesn't just tear plants apart. He also puts new ones together. When he's not in the lab, he's usually at home in his garden. Zonnefeld holds open the door to his tiny backyard greenhouse and leads me inside. He loves it in here. It is, well, rather packed with plants. This is really a beautiful... I mean, it's like a little forest in here. Yeah, yeah. The potted plants are tucked into this room like a tight jigsaw. There's absolutely no space to move around. I think just here are 2,000 different plants. 2,000 in this little room? Yes, and there's not a single one is here twice because they don't have the space. Each one is unique. 
Most of the plants in here are new varieties, or crosses, that Zonnefeld made. They don't exist anywhere else in the world except in this greenhouse. I can show you how you make a cross if you want. You take a flower. You just took a little pink blossom. Zonnefeld peels the petals back. He would then dab the pollen from this flower onto the female organ of the flower of a different species. Half the time it doesn't work, but the other half, Zonnefeld gets seeds. You don't know if you make a cross what to expect. That's the nice thing, that you cannot predict what you get out. Each and every plant has a story. He points out plant after plant and tells me the stories, how they came to be, how he's mixed colors and sizes and shapes and produced something new over and over again. And he has even more time for his hobby now because he's 71 and retired. My wife says I have too much plants and that I cannot part with anyone because most of these I have quite a lot of work involved. I had to grow them up, wait until they flower, make the crosses, sow the seeds, grow the seedlings up. They're like your children. Yes, 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 more or less. For Living on Earth, I'm Ari Daniel Shapiro. Our story about tulips comes from the series One Species at a Time, produced by Atlantic Public Media with support from the Encyclopedia of Life. Check out the pictures at our website, LOE.org.